your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this Friday night slash Saturday morning edition of Locked On Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is a daily podcast where we talk about all things Florida Panthers. I'm Armando Velez from pantherparkway.com. You can follow me on Twitter at MondoMan12. You can also follow the show account at LO underscore FLA Panthers. You can also follow the national show, Locked On NHL, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And don't forget their Twitter page as well, at Locked On NHL Pods. And don't forget the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. So the reason why I introduced it as a Friday night slash Saturday morning is because the Flor- your Florida Panthers have a matinee matchup for game four of their first round playoff series between the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And here to discuss this is from WPLG Local 10, Chirping the Cats podcast and the Chirping the Cats radio show is David Dwork. How are you? What's up, Mondo? Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to, like we talked about before we started recording, glad to have you on where it's a just a two-to-one deficit versus having to climb up that hill with a three-nothing deficit. Yeah, night and day. Yeah, so... First off, what what are your what are your overall impressions through like the first three games with what the Panthers have gone through? Uh, I mean, it's been three great games, and just in terms of like from a hockey fan standpoint, um, you know, it's tough with the Panthers when you're trying to to play a certain style of game. You've played Tampa eight times during the regular season, and you've had pretty uh, moderate to decent success playing that style of play against Tampa this year, and then. Things change a little bit in the playoffs when you add a couple of pieces like Steven Stamkos and uh, Nikita Kucherov to the equation. Um, that being said, the Panthers uh, at even strength have continued to really control pace for the most part. I mean, obviously against Tampa, it's never easy, but um, but Florida has been able to do their thing five on five for the most part. Uh, as we've seen, you know, whether it was uh, against Carolina or Tampa, uh, there were actually times uh, that Dallas gave Florida a time problem as well. Going back to the regular season when special teams was really such an issue mostly Tampa and Carolina, just because they were really the best teams in the division and you're only playing teams inside your division. So, you know, it was a weird season in that sense, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the first three games have been great. It was nice to finally come out on top in one of them because uh, leaving game one, you just kind of had that feeling like, man, I just saw a great hockey game, but it still kind of sucks when you come out on the losing end of it. Uh, game two was a, a much tighter game, you know, obviously, uh, you know, tighter checking that uh, Tampa was much more physical in game two. And, uh, and, you know, their power play goals uh, made the difference game three, it looked like it was going to be the same thing, but then Florida did what we saw them do, you know, time and time again during the regular season. And that was make a third period comeback. 
and uh, and win a game in overtime. And that was really their bread and butter. So, you know, kudos to them. And now hopefully uh, they can continue on that momentum build, get one more big win tomorrow afternoon and uh, and even this baby up. And, and and you said it best, their, their comebacks, because they've had quite a few big comebacks this season, whether it was the four to one deficit in Columbus this year or just two on the top of my head, the one the third game against Dallas, the home game where it was two to nothing in the third period. And then the board malfunction happened towards the end boards, a nine minute delay. And then the Florida Panthers come back and win that one. And they, they were able to do it against and uh, the Stanley cup champions in Tampa Bay and games one and three had that similar theme of whoever had the last momentum swing was that team who was going to come out on top. Yeah, it's, it's like a, like when you're watching a really good football game and you're like, man, whoever's at the ball last is going to win the game. Kind of had that kind of a feel to it, right? Um, look, it was a weird game in that it was such swing, such momentum swings were like so profound. Uh, you know, Florida jumping out to a quick two to nothing lead and you're like, wow, this is the Panthers team that, you know, we would have loved to see that kind of a start at home with all the fans there. But, you know, doing what they're capable of doing. And then Tampa turns around, does exactly what they're capable of doing in the second period and just boom, boom, power play, power play, goal, goal. Like, you know, you're almost shell shocked by it. And then by the time you're back in the intermission, you're down by two against the team that at the time I think was 28 and O when leading after two this season, you know, the odds are stacked completely against you. And then here comes Florida doing what they do. Hornquist doing what he does in front of the net. Gustav Forsling, ridiculous wrist shot to beat Vasilevsky five hole from the top of the circle. And then the guy, the unsung hero, Ryan Lomberg, who hadn't played a shift in God knows how long, played 15 seconds worth of hockey in overtime, and they just happened to be the 15 biggest seconds of his career. So, you know, that's been the Panthers' MO is uh, they've got guys like Barkov and Huberdo, Hornquist, Duclair. They've got these guys that you would kind of lean on, Verhage. But then there's the Lombards, the Wenbirds, the Forslings that, that have continued to contribute in a complementary sense that's why they've succeeded. And, you know, the season is, is felt so special from, from just the, you know, the observing standpoint, you know, I've been watching this team since I was a kid. Um, and this season has just felt so special and you really don't want to see it end in the way that it felt like it was trending towards after game two and halfway through game three. Um, so it was nice to see them really turn it around and fight back a little bit. And, and, you know, as we said, you know, hopefully they keep it going. And I was talking to Frank Rikus yesterday on the pod saying how even if even if the Florida Panthers were to lose this series, this this kind of could be that conference final type of feel. And this is a gauntlet that the Florida Panthers are going through with the Central Division. And you pointed out 15 seconds of overtime for Ryan Lomberg. And I was thinking of another number with number 15 where Alex Wenberg got only 15 seconds of power play ice time in yesterday's game. And what did he do in those 15 yep, seconds? Most he, he scored. And so much credit to Tippett as well. That won't come up on the stat sheet of the screen in front of the net to help convert on the power play goal. Despite being down two games to one, they're still scoring a lot on Vasilevsky, and they're still figuring him out, whether it's 
the two high scoring games of games one and three, or even even previously in the regular season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. The NBA and the NHL are in their stretch runs right before the postseason begins. Get all the latest news and odds and info on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news. Sign up for bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code locked on. Let's get into some of the updates. There's not really many updates, but you're in the you're in the Zoom calls. What's the latest on what Coach Q had to say going into game four. Uh, well, today, uh, you know, basically Coach Q said that he's uh, you know, more than late. He said, you know, you're on the right track or however he always puts it. But, uh, you know, that we're going to see the same lineup uh, tomorrow that we saw in game three, which is typical of Q. Usually he keeps things pretty pretty much the same after a win. Uh, Bobrovsky will be starting in goal again. Um, so it's probably going to be the same thing. 12 forward, 60, Strawman out there. Um, interesting with the pairings and the lines to see because we know how Q – as often as he likes to mix things up during the regular season, I feel like he takes that to the, to the next level during the playoffs. Um, he did, uh, he was asked about Keith Yandel and scratching him. And he basically said it was a really hard decision to make that he hadn't, you know, he acknowledged the fact that Yandel hadn't been scratched for a game regular season or postseason in, you know, forever, 900 games, whatever it had, it had been. Um, and he said that uh, Yandel handled it like a pro, which you would expect, you know, Yandel, you know, he's, he's a good dude. Like you really, I, I, he's my, one of my favorite guys in the team in terms of, you know, like just people to talk to and uh, just a good guy. So you would expect, you know, as beloved as he is by his teammates that he would have handled it well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, for the most part, it's kind of a status quo steady as she goes. And uh, you know, the message that Q had today and kind of a message that you heard from a few different guys, whether it was Lombard or uh, Huberto uh, after yesterday's game or Sergey Bobrovsky as well is that they had just won this ridiculous, you know, marathon overtime game that, you know, Panthers fans probably couldn't even sleep last night because they were so excited. Um, and all these guys to talk about is, uh, yeah, we got another game coming up on Saturday. Like they they had already shifted ahead to the, and keeping their focus in that sense. And that was a message that Q kind of kept going today as well. So it's good to see that, like, these guys are really uh, keeping their eyes on the prize and, you know, <laughs> as I use a funky cliche, but, you know, they stay focused on what they need to. Um, I'm just really anxious to get to game four. Yeah, and I feel like that would be the message regardless of where the series is, whether they're down 2-1, to 0-3, or even up in the series because that game is over with. It's now time for the, for the next one. And, you know, they dropped two at home. They're guaranteed a game five. That is, that is huge for this team. But, of course, you got to get to game four first. And this is a little bit of a curveball at you, David. So you saw the way Ryan Lomberg jumped after that game-winning goal, right? Sure. If that were you doing that, what are the chances that you slip on the ice? 
Uh, you see, that's weird for me because I'm a goalie, so I have no idea what it would be like to celebrate a goal. Um, you know, I can say that like uh, I've I've had overtime wins before, where you're kind of skating down the ice and celebrating, and I did eat it one time and went like pads first into the back of the legs of like four of my teammates as I as I you know kind of ate it heading into the celebratory pileup. Um, but no, I, I don't even think that you think at that point because like you're so like just inundated with euphoria mm. and, and these amazing feelings like the last thing you care about is if you're doing the chicken dance or however whatever you might be doing when you're celebrating that win um because i you know you like frank vetrano earlier this season we all thought that he had this great overtime celebration where he's on his knees and he's just like yeah and we're asking him about it after the game he's like yeah i totally toe picked and fell face first and that was the result was me on my knees celebrating so it's it's never anything planned or anything you know that uh is that uh you know, like the figure skaters all uh, elegant and all that. But um, no, I mean, I, that's what I love about it, to be honest. Like, I love when you really see the moments where the unguarded moments where like it's just the raw emotion and like you're seeing who that person is, uh, and you know, beyond hockey, of course. But that that's just what I really like because, you know, for obvious reasons, like these guys have to keep themselves at a certain, you know, guarded way when they're dealing with outside, whether it's media or whoever, um, because these are public people and, you know, that's just how it is. So when you get to see those moments where it's just like, um, you know, the shields are down and they're just able to, to be themselves. And, and Lombard, especially, you know, a guy that wears his heart on his sleeve the way he does uh, watching him celebrate like that. And just like the look on his face, he was almost as surprised as Gold- Steve Goldstein was making the call uh, to, to have the game winning goal. Um, but that's great. Like that's something that I was talking about last week was like a guy like Ryan Lombard scoring a goal for the Panthers that's like an extra boost to the team because it's somebody that is so such a big part of the off the ice chemistry. So when they go out on the ice and do something big, um, I, you were talking about one of the comebacks. I, I, I don't remember which one it was, but there was a comeback earlier this season where Lombard scored, I think his first goal when he like batted it out of midair and everybody got such a big pump up from that, that the team ended up coming back and winning that game. So it, it was just really cool to see not just the Panthers win a game in overtime that they hadn't done since 1996, uh, but to for a guy like Lombard to do it was just that much more special. I thought it was just so cool. Yeah, and I, I think it's the same comeback for the in the Columbus game where Barkov had a power play goal to tie it, and then they ended up winning that uh, five to four in Columbus. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And this Lombard was getting into the faces of Tampa Bay Lightning players really early on in this series, and. Can you only can you imagine what the opposition in the Tampa Bay Lightning are thinking, letting Ryan, letting Ryan Lomberg score someone who who they're you could tell they're tired of him because they just continue to like just get in in his, in their face. What 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 are you thinking? Like the opposition's thinking. I think they got a taste of their own medicine because you remember earlier in that game, Ross Colton scored for Tampa and he's kind of been there like kind of tough guy. He's the guy that was body slamming Panthers earlier in the year that we thought he was going to get suspended. And he got this really nice goal on Chris Drieger in the second period and was having a huge celebration on the bench right next to, you know, all the Panthers are sitting. So I was thinking, man, that, that's got to suck for them. You know, of all the guys, the score, it's Ross Colton. And then Ryan Lombard goes in, you know, does a one up on that and gets the game winner. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure that Irk Tampa, I'm sure it got under their skin. Cause he's a guy that while he's not getting a ton of ice time, he's getting memorable minutes, especially if you're on the Tampa side, because he's hitting you, he's getting in your face, he's chirping you. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that, that was cool. I'm sure it pissed them off, but like at this stage, like the one thing that like you have to, not you, but like just the one thing that you, people have to realize 
is it's not so much about what the other team is doing at this point of the season. It's the playoffs. It's about, are you good enough? Is your team good enough? Can you perform at a level, a consistent level in the playoffs to succeed? So we, we know the Panthers can do that. We know they can do it against Tampa. We've seen them do it in, you know, bits and pieces against Carolina. But as you said earlier, we got to get there first. We know they can succeed against Tampa. We've seen it during the season and now we're seeing it in the playoffs. So if the Panthers can just keep doing their thing, playing their game, getting contributions from guys like Ryan Lombard, that that's kind of their wheelhouse. And for this series, as far as, as far as like most disappointing player, who has been your most disappointing player after you go, then I, then I'll give you mine. Uh, before yesterday, I'd have to say the guy I was most surprised that I hadn't seen more out of was Frank Vetrano. Um, mm-hmm. hadn't really, you know, for a guy that's, uh, you know, talking about a guy that wears their heart on their sleeve. I mean, Frank Vetrano, you've seen him getting it, mixing it up with these guys and, uh, you know, getting the, the physical gritty element going, but, um, you know, this is a guy that scored, what was it like 17, 18 goals during the regular season. Um, particularly a clutch player, somebody who was adding a lot in the rush, um, his possession game had been improving throughout the year and he really had not shown up much in the first two games and, and really in the first half of game three and then doing what he does. He had a great third period yesterday. And then he had that great little, you know, it was two great plays he made on the goal, actually watching the replay back. The first one was to catch the puck to cradle it out of midair. When Judas shot it out of the zone, the second one was to then flick it with his stick past uh, Victor Hedman and Longberg putting on the Jets, just Batmobile right past them and get, went in on the breakaway. So, I mean, that's the thing with Frank Vetrano is, you know, he can, he, can, he can do a lot of special things in a short amount of time. He's a very skilled guy. So he, it's been disappointing to me that we haven't seen more of him. Um, but that being said, the last thing we remember was his best moment of the series. So hopefully, you know, that'll be something that he continues on. But I, I'd have to say uh, up until that point, it was him. It's funny because that was that was my uh, same answer for Frank Petrano. <laughs> see, there you go. Be, be, um, it's funny because you look at that play again and you see Victor Hedman and Jan Ruda, both both of them are drawing towards Frank Petrano. And they're kind of, you see Victor Hedman kind of stuck in, an, in, in a little bit of an island. Not, not even, he was probably at, he, you know, he was probably doing. He was probably underestimating at that point Ryan Lomberg's ability to get past him. And this is a finalist for the Norris Trophy this year in Victor Hedman, and went speed kills. Speed, it really does. But if I had to, if I had to name uh, another disappointment in this one, I would say uh, maybe Marcus Nudevara in this one there was a there's a few out of posi- he was a little bit out of position in, in a few uh, uh goals yesterday by the Tampa Bay Lightning especially in the second period there was a goal where one was off of a deflection and then there's another one where i believe he screened his own goalie where i in the middle of the second period so Marcus Nunavar has also been a little bit of a disappointment for me in this series behind Frank Petrano but yes like you said it best, Frank Vitrano had a beautiful assist off a right off a defensive zone faceoff too. That's the best thing about it. You're you're in your defensive zone. You're trying to get, clear the puck, and then you you get those two speedsters to just go down the ice and just find a way. This is something that I've been preaching about ever since game two. Just finding a way. 
Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. There's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. Know what my favorite flavor is? Is the peanut butter brownie. If you've tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, they're healthy too. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carb. A couple of other flavors have 18 grams of protein, just 180 calories, and just 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carb. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 50% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We know that the Florida Panthers lost the first two at home. We know what's at stake. A, a 3-1 to one deficit, which... Q has been through before during his time in Chicago, but not something we want to get into. What do the Florida Panthers need to do in order to bring this to Sunrise Florida all tied up at two apiece? Well, the obvious answer that I'm sure everybody's streaming into their podcast listening device at this point is uh, stay out of the penalty box. Yes. First and foremost, stay out of the box. Don't give Tampa a power play. Right there, you're improving your chances of winning tenfold. Beyond that, just continue to not get frazzled. Don't let Tampa's aggression get the better of you, which it didn't in game two. Uh, I thought Florida did a really good job. Even when Tampa was closing their gaps on Florida when they were in their own zone, they continued to hold on to the puck, hold on to that for that extra second. Then all of a sudden they had space again, and they were able to move. They were able to break out. They were able to do their zone entries. So I think patience is the key, and I think that they showed that they were there in game three. So just kind of a continuation of that. Um, and look, their power play had their power play scoring, which is nice. The special teams is always going to be the X factor, but if they can stay out of the box and if Sergey Bobrovsky continues to, you know, like he wasn't really called on much yesterday. He had a really nice glove save in overtime. He had a nice blocker save at the end of the third period. I think on Braden point, um, he was right on top of his crease. That's where you like to see from Bob, not a lot of sliding. When Bob overslides, he overcompensates and gets into trouble. And you really look locked in in limited capacity in game three. So Bob continues on his path in game four. They stay out of the box and just hang on to the puck. I'm I'm bullishly confident. And look at the numbers right now for Tampa Bay on the power play. They're five for ten. Yeah, it's scary. I, I'm actually surprised it's not higher than 50%, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it almost feels like every time they're going out there, they're going to score like that. When they, when, <laughs> when they called that penalty on Duclair with like 20 seconds left or whatever it was, it was like every pan. I, I don't want to speak for every Panthers fan, but I just felt like even just me watching it, it felt like you just got kicked in the stomach. Cause you're like, Oh God, this is it. Came all the way back, all the way back. You're about to force overtime. And, and then you give them like the golden ticket, but they killed it off. Kudos to them. I like what they did. I liked how they had Barkov and Wenberg out there together on the PK. I thought that was interesting uh, combination that I want to see more of. 
Uh, Bennett and Achari complemented each other nicely on the second half of that. So, um, you know, little tweaks like that, I think, uh, I think pay, pay a big difference, hopefully continuing, but man, just watching Tampa's power play, like the way they move the puck on the goal that Braden points toward in the side, the way that they moved it, you know, from one side to the point to the other side, to the inside, to the back, just to give him a bit of space to get that shot off. It was, I mean, it's beautiful to watch. It sucks when you're watching it against the team that you're hoping wins, but I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive hockey wise. Um, so hopefully we don't see a whole lot of that for the rest of the series. And just two goals just on the top of my head is where you, where they pass it to Kucherov on the wing and then Braden point is right in the slot to score. So that's a very, that I think that's something that the Florida Panthers are really thinking is like, if, if they pass, of course they're down a man. So it's a little harder to draw up to somebody, but they, I, I, I think they know by now that if there's a pass to the wing of Kucherov, somebody needs to be at least sliding a little bit towards Braden point, not all the way, because if you, of course, if you overcommit, then that's when somebody can get wide open. But one more question before we get out of here, how, how surprised were you once Keith Yandel was scratched out of the lineup that the Florida Panthers were as effective on the power play as they were in game three? Not terribly. I don't think Keith Yandel this season has been adding a whole lot to the power play like he has been the last few years. Um, so it wasn't really that. I think it's something that honestly, a lot of us were expecting to see sooner, uh, whether it was Mackenzie Weger. Now you have a guy in Brandon Montour that can also run a power play efficiently. Um, and, and Q has shown confidence in Anton Strawman. You remember earlier in the season, Strawman was on that second power play for a while. Um, so yeah, it's not like Yandel has been that. That's the problem with Yandel this year is that the things that he did well, for much of his career, for his entire time with the Panthers, the things that earned him his contract and the reputation was his ability to quarterback a power play, his magic hands at the blue line, whether it was getting a puck through to the net, banking a pass off the backboards, getting, you know, keeping the fluidity of a power play, what we were just talking about with Tampa. Uh, those things were his bread and butter, and he's not doing them this year. So it's not like taking him off the power play and replacing him with an equally, if not more at this moment, capable Mackenzie Weger or Gustav Forsling or Brandon Monsor, or an Anton Stroh. You have all these other options that you can plug in there that you're not really going to miss anything. So I, I don't think it was much of a surprise yesterday. I think it was more of a surprise that it didn't, didn't happen sooner, to be honest. Yeah, and it's it's a win-win situation for the Panthers and Keith Yandel if you're looking at it from, a, from an outsider's perspective that it, his streak doesn't end because it doesn't count turns towards the postseason. And the the play on the ice, they we we've known about it for for months that it should have it should have happened, and you know I don't expect to, of course I don't expect to go 100 percent on the power play every single time that'd be very foolish of me, but the fact that Coach Q was able to experiment that and well, they had five forwards on the power play in the third period, so I mean mm-hmm. clearly like Q has plenty of options to shake it up the the liabilities that we're coming with Yandel's defense uh, combined with the lack of him adding anything offensively. It, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just don't get what was keeping him out there. I didn't see a benefit to it other than keeping this ridiculous streak going. So, okay. Now we're in the playoffs. That's why he's sitting out. Definitely. And after this year, looking at cap friendly right now, he is still on the books for two more seasons at six point. Three five million dollars. So and that no trade clause. Don't forget that and no trade clause. So he has to be protected for the expansion draft. So 
of course, it's not something that Bill Zito and Coach Kenville are worried about now, but it's something that is going to definitely come up in the future. But any, anyways, David, I want to thank you for coming on to this episode of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. So for my listeners, tell everybody where they can find you and your work. Sure. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at David's Work. Um, you can read any of my stories on Local10.com or the Local10 app. Uh, you can download my podcast, the Chirping the Cats podcast, and you can also listen to my weekly Panthers radio show every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Onside Radio. And if you miss it live, it's also going to be found in your favorite podcasting places as well. Uh, so, yeah, there's plenty of good Panthers uh, Panther stuff out there. There's a lot of good podcasts out there right now, a lot of different Panthers podcasts. It's, it's nice that the team is getting so much uh, – so much attention. Imagine if they make the playoffs a few years in a row. It's going to be like a hockey mecca down here. Yeah, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> and because we have a matinee start on Saturday, you will be doing a show for the listeners, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. So we'll be live tomorrow morning. Uh, we're going to have Joe Smith from The Athletic talking from the Tampa aspect. But, yeah, of course, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be doing the show, and then I will be hauling ass to get home to watch game two or game four. Awesome, David. Thank you so much for joining. Hey, man, my pleasure. Take care. And thank you once again to David Dwork of WPLG Local 10, Chirping the Cats and Chirping the Cats Radio for joining me on this episode of the Lockdown Panthers podcast to discuss the series and to preview a little bit of Game 4 versus the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is a matinee matchup, a 12-30 puck drop on CNBC and Ballet Sports Florida for the people living in South Florida. So remember when I told you guys that my locker room session is going to be on Saturday around 10 a.m.? But to not conflict with my guest's show, David Dwork of Chirping the Cats Radio on his Saturday show for 10 a.m., I'm going to shift it up for and have the locker room session at 9.15 slash 9.30 and go for about 30-ish minutes discussing game four of Tampa Bay Lightning versus Florida Panthers. And you can join in on the fun on the locker room app and make sure to follow the page LO underscore FLA Panthers on Twitter and on locker room so you'll be notified every single time I'm on the app or every single time it will be posted on the Twitter page as well. So if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so you'll be notified every time each episode of Locked On Panthers drops. Make sure to follow the national show Locked On NHL and the Crosscheck NHL show. And don't forget the Locked On Today podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So I'm Armando Velez, signing off. And you've been listening to the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Where's your team? Every day.